All right, as promised, I'm back. Nez Hoover is now two weeks in a row hitting that bars loaded time hard. I promised 52 straight weeks of podcasts and bringing more content to our listeners because we don't have viewers yet. We have not made this a video podcast, which we plan on doing very soon. But uh, I guess the best way to get to 52 is to get to two first. So we're at two. Hopefully next week we're on three and we get on a roll. And start getting a, a rhythm on this. This will be part uh excuse me. This is Bars Loaded episode eight. And uh hopefully you hit double digits pretty soon. But uh what we're gonna we're gonna talk about a few different things today. Um I guess right now, you know, we're feeling the af- aftermath of the tragedy in Las Vegas. And, you know, we still don't know exactly what went down reports are you know a single man a ton of firearms ton ton of ammunition and he shot from the floor there's reports of multiple shooters reports of a shooter on the fourth floor a shooter on the 12th floor people were screaming that there were shootings in caesars and at the end of the day i think that uh you know, there's conspiracy theories, different stuff like that out there. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know what, what to believe anymore. There's so much, quote unquote, fake news out there. I'm not one of these conspiracy theorists and you know, anti-government type of people. But, I mean, some of them could be very viable. And so I kind of hold judgment. I think the big, bigger issue here is not worried about if the government's hiding something or this and that. But I think we should focus on those 50, I believe it was 59 people killed and another like 200 injured or whatever it was. I think that's what we need to be focusing on. It's not, you know, a black tragedy, a white tragedy, um, a Mexican a, Chinese, Japanese, whatever you want to call it. It's not a religious thing. It's an American tragedy, a human tragedy. You know, our fellow human beings were killed, murdered. And uh, over the past few weeks, there's been a lot of talk about national anthems. Should they kneel? Should they not kneel? Is it disrespectful? Blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, I think it's sad that we as Americans and we as humans only come together during tragedy. And it is what it is. You know, 9-11 happened and, you know, everyone was American. The NFL, people were running out with flags. I remember George Teague of the Dallas Cowboys ran out with an American flag. And now we have people not wanting to stand for the play or the the anthem, this and that, whatever. And by all means, you know, it's their right. They can do what they want. Uh, I think has some of them been disrespectful? Of course. Um, but some of them, I think, have handled it very well. And 
their demonstration has demonstrated their, uh, I guess you say, a dissatisfaction with the current state of, you know, you want to call it oppression, whatever. Um, I wouldn't really use that word, but I would say uh, the lack of, I don't know, it's, I don't want to use the wrong word and be insensitive, but basically showing unity. And, uh, you know, there's very, there's a ton of issues out there that, you know, affect us all. Me as a quote unquote Hispanic, you know, American, Hispanic, whatever the hell that means. Um, I, I'm a freaking mutt, you know, I have Dutch, German, Native American, Mexican, Spanish, who knows what else is in there. Um, I'm an American. Uh, I do stand for the pledge. I keep saying the pledge, the anthem. I haven't done the pledge in, you know, 20 years. But uh, I do stand. And I feel like it's my obligation because that's how I want to show respect to the soldiers that have fought for our freedom. So that's how I show respect. But I do understand where a lot of these people are coming from. As a minority, I've seen it before. I would never say that I'm oppressed. I live in an amazing country. I have freedoms that most people around the world do not have. So I would not say I'm oppressed. But I have seen, you know, some uh, some injustices as far as, you know, racial and different stuff like that. But I don't worry about that on a day-to-day basis. And I think that's a problem too is people are worrying – what what other people do does not affect me on the day-to-day basis. What President Trump does not do what President Trump does on a day-to-day basis does not affect me either. See what I'm saying? Uh I really liked what Floyd Mayweather said about the whole issue. How what Trump does on a day-to-day doesn't affect me. I'm still making money. You know? Let's not worry about what other people are doing. Let's worry about ourselves. And our family. With that being said, I I don't want to get too deep and everything. And uh, one of the emails that uh, actually it's been been a few emails people have asked, and I've been talking to some people about you know jams. I'm currently uh, working on opening our new location. Actually, we're, we'll be moving. It's not a second location. It's a new location. Um, we're working on that. We already have signed papers, put down deposits. We need to get insurance, uh, squared away. We've had a couple issues with that, but people have asked about gyms and had a conversation today about a gym actually. And well, I guess give a little background on how we started our gym back in 2007. Actually, it started a little bit earlier than that, but back in 2007, me and my partners, uh, Jay Garcia, Anthony Trujillo, and my younger brother Jordan Chavez, who's been on the podcast. Actually, Coach T has as well. We just haven't had Jade on the podcast. But we started working out, uh, for those of you guys aren't from here, a local high school. And uh, I was assistant baseball coach, still am, and Anthony was assistant wrestling coach. And we had kids four days a week, Monday. Tuesday at 8 p.m. 
and then Thursday, Friday at 3 p.m. And uh, we worked at 531. It was awesome. We did it for about three years. And we at one point, we had about 50 kids, and they were dedicated. I mean, we held them accountable, and they were in there. And these kids ended up being the best athletes in the school. The first group of baseball players that we had um, set a school record with uh, 50 plus home runs. I can't remember the exact number. 50 plus home runs in a season. And uh, it was awesome. We had a great time. The camaraderie was amazing. And these kids, you know, one, they were getting better, they were getting stronger. But two, they weren't on the streets. They had a positive, um, something positive to look forward to. And uh, it was great. Well, what happened was a new football coach came in and decided that he he did not want his athletes training with us. And I think he was a little intimidated. And football coaches are the worst when it comes to strength training. They think that they know what they're doing. And they have no fucking clue what they're doing. Um, but it's an ego thing. They think, oh, well, I lifted weights when I played. You know, I did some power cleans and I did this and that. I don't know why my coach has an accent. But anyways, so they have a chip on their shoulder about that. So whatever. Kids continue to work out with us. And... uh Needless to say, the coach got our keys taken away. So what we had built for over three years basically came to an end. We tried finding new gyms, went to some global gyms, didn't work out. Um, And so we ended up training for about six months in a small, probably 1,200 square foot wellness center at at a swimming pool. And the reason we trained there is because it was empty. No one bothered us. And the managers that ran it at the time were big fans of what we did and liked to train with us. And so we had a good deal going there for a little bit. But it was very limited because, you know, obviously it was 1,200 square feet. There wasn't a ton of equipment. So one day we finally were like, fuck it. Let's open up our own gym. Uh, Discussions with my dad. Uh, my dad's kind of like that. He's a fuck it, let's do it kind of guy. And so with, with very little planning and a little bit of money, we found a location. It was about 1,800 square feet. Rented it, bought some equipment, and started training there. It was November of 2011. And... uh so when we started our gym, we didn't really start it to be a business. But we understood that for us to pay for the building, we would have to bring in members to charge memberships and really didn't know how to really go about that. I had just uh, received a business degree earlier in the spring So, you know, I thought I knew everything about business, which I didn't, which I still don't. I don't think you ever know everything. But uh, so we started going, and we made tons of mistakes. You know, 
We weren't charging family members and close friends. And those seemed to be the ones that took advantage of the most. You had to learn that. So when you open up a gym, you must charge everybody. And I'm telling you this right now. The people that are closest to you will support what you're doing and should have no problem paying. Now, if you do sponsorships, different things like that, that's one thing. But the people closest to you should have no problem paying a membership because it's supporting what you're doing. Okay? So um, we charged $35 a month and had no real systems in place. You know, So every month it was stressful, hunting people down. We didn't have any contracts. We didn't, it was all cash. And just trying to get people, you know, people, they're not bad people, but they just don't, it's not a priority to them and unless they, you know, unless they're out of money. And so uh, it was a pain in the ass. It was a pain in the ass for a long time. And so, but with that being said, we were doing really well. And this was kind of at the emergence of Facebook and social media. Instagram was getting started. And so we we did a good job putting out videos. They weren't high-quality videos. There was no editing. Basically, we filmed the lift, and then we just posted it straight on Facebook. People saw what we were doing, and they kept coming. Well, we had a two-year lease. And after about a year and a half, we outgrew it. So at that point, we we moved in. Actually, my father-in-law had an MMA gym at the time. And we tried to move in there. It was just a clash of personalities. Um, and it just didn't work. And to save face, you know, obviously as family, um, we moved out. And I found a new location um, we're actually where we're currently at now was 4,800 square feet, so it allowed us to expand. But the problem was, and I'll, I'll blame myself, no excuses. Um, I thought I had done my due diligence on the building. We had negotiated because the building didn't need to work. So we negotiated with the landlord um, to do some of the work, uh, and you know, get some free rent, blah blah blah, back and forth. Um, so we signed contracts, got in there, and so you know, next thing is we got our getter utility set up, this and that. And uh, come to find out, all utilities had been cut. The actual lines had been cut. The power had been cut at the box. The gas and the water had been cut at the front, at the meter, and. Uh, no other excuse than there was vandalism. So we worked it out, but the problem was that this was in November, early November, and because all the work that needed to be done and we couldn't get utilities in there, we ended up being closed for about a about two and a half months. We, and at the time, it's funny because we had uh, powerlifters getting ready for competition while well, we're in the dead of winter and they're trying to train inside our gym even though it's cold as shit 
we had ga- gas powered heaters and generator in there with lights and people were training in the freaking cold it was freaking crazy i don't know how or why we did that but i guess it was just the mentality at the time you know we had to get this work in for this powerlifting competition so uh so finally we get the gym open and uh luckily luckily people came back and they were excited to come back and That's where we've been the last, last four. Well, it'll be four years in November. Um, our, I think our biggest mistake, and at, at the time, you know, even still to this day, it's only one of our full-time jobs, and you can't go about it half-assed. You cannot. If you're trying to make this your full-time job, great. Is it going to be easy? Absolutely not. But it can be done. We went about it and and it was not our full-time job. I you know, I worked on it a ton when I could. Anthony is an RN and uh, Jade was working a full-time job. Jordan was still in college. And so uh that that was probably our biggest fault. It was still done for lack of a better word, half-assed. Um, but we did great things. We had uh, people coming in, and we had paying members, paying the bills every month, and there were maybe a few times where we had to put a little bit out of our pocket. Um, but we finally put in place uh, some systems that allowed us to pay, you know, collect money a lot easier. Um, we're still cleaning a lot of that mess up. Um, but you know, it's getting better at, uh, at about two and a half years. I knew that we had outgrown the space and the reason we had outgrown the space is because we actually brought in a CrossFit affiliate. Those of you who don't know, Zia strength system start out primarily as powerlifting and strength training. Uh, we, we obviously got into strongman, um, Never really done a whole lot with weightlifting. Um, and I was not a big fan of CrossFit. And there's still things of CrossFit I do not like. But uh, we saw the business opportunity. And uh, Jordan decided that me and him would open a CrossFit affiliate inside Zia Strength System, which is NFP CrossFit. We saw the opportunity uh, because we had a lot of people coming back to the strength systems to want to get stronger for CrossFit. And we saw the, the lack of strength training program, strength training programming, uh, at other CrossFit gyms. So we saw the opportunity. And so I believe it was August of 2014, um, or 2015, uh, we opened our affiliate. And uh, we outgrew grew the spot. Um, I did. Now comes the time to we need a new spot. We need a bigger spot. When to expand? Okay. Just because you uh, have a lot of members and uh, this and that, expansion is a whole nother animal. 
It means more overhead. Uh, as far as rent, utilities, you're going to have to light a bigger space, heat a bigger space, cool a bigger space if you have it. Um, you're probably going to need more equipment. Okay? So you need to sit down and figure out that cost and then figure out if what you could bring in is viable and you can uh, reach those numbers, then you can even consider expansion. Okay. People ask me all the time because I tell them 10, 15, probably more gyms have come and go. That's not just powerlifting. That's you know, CrossFit, strength training, uh, MMA, blah, blah, blah have come and gone since we've been open. So people have asked me, you know, why are you guys still open? And I have two answers for people. One, we've always kept low, over, overhead low. Some of these people open up these big, amazing gyms, beautiful gyms, but they cannot bring in the volumes of people to sustain that overhead. They probably got $7,000 a month in rent. They probably paint off some equipment. They probably got another fifteen dollars to $2,500 in utilities. And then other expenses like payroll, if they have coaches, um, affiliate fees, different stuff like that. Um, so now you're over ten grand in overhead. Well, even if you're $100 a pop, do the math. You need a hundred people just to break even. That's not my extra money to put away for pro, you know uh, profit for uh, equipment expansion um, repairs different stuff like that. So uh, you need a hundred people at a hundred dollar membership just to break even. Okay, so now you understand kind of the numbers we're talking about. Well, you say, well, you know, big global gyms bring in thousands of people. Those aren't the type of gyms that you're going to be able to compete with. Um, so what you have to do is either you need to find alternate revenue streams, whether it's online, it's in-house sales, um, apparel, uh, supplements, who knows, but you need to be creative in that way and creating the separate revenue streams to make it happen. Okay. So, uh, now, uh, that was my, my first one. So we've always kept overhead low. Sorry. I went off on a little tangent there. Second, we've had a sustainable niche. Zia strength systems is actually a training system. It's conjugate based. And for what we do in the area as far as strength training, we have dominated that area. And what we have done has worked. And I don't mean to pat, pat ourselves on the back, but it fucking works. The system works. It's been proven over time. Okay, People want to put together programs, but programs don't work. Systems work. See what I'm saying? So overhead low, 
and a sustainable niche. Now, that doesn't mean that we haven't dabbled in other areas. Uh, we just brought in uh, a bodybuilding coach with a big team, and we're going to start to cater to them a little bit as well. Um, our, so our new location is uh, 10,400 square feet. Our current location is 4,800 square feet. So we're more than doubling size. The way we're going to do that is we're actually bringing in a baseball academy that I help run. I'm a coach, and uh, I will be managing uh, the baseball facility. So they will be renting out um, space from us. So that leaves us about uh, about 8,000 square feet. So what we can do is we're growing, but the baseball is helping pay for it. And in a couple of years, baseball is going to need more room. We're going to need ro more room. So that will allow us to expand without having to move. Okay. So that's our plan. Um, another issue that comes up is negotiating uh, rent and different stuff like that. Um, you don't ever want to lock yourself in too long to where you got to make sure that you can cover that nut. And if you cannot cover that nut, do not lock yourself into you know, a four or five year lease because – most are personal guarantees, and they'll go after your house. So understand what a personal guarantee is. Uh, what, we, what we've done at, at our gym is we've uh, negotiated a three-year lease with a two-year option. That will allow me some flexibility after the third year because my ultimate goal is to buy some property and build our own building. That way we can own it, and so we do not have to rent anymore. I'm tired of paying rent. And uh, so that's the ultimate goal. So either at three or five years, at that time, I'll know if I'm ready to move on. And if not, we may just stay put. Okay. Uh, another issue that uh, has come up, as far as gym stuff is the contracts. Now, at first, when we first opened, like I said, we had no contracts. Um, now we have, you know, a month to month price, and then we the price scales down as you know the longer commitment you have put together. Enforce your contracts, okay? Because then, if you do not. Your contract means nothing, okay, and people will just take advantage. So enforce whatever the verbiage is you put in your contract, and I would highly recommend holding people to that year or putting together some kind of buyout, okay? So enforce your contracts, and that's something that we've needed to work on. We've gotten better, but we've ne we needed to work on uh, because we've struggle with that a little bit and uh but i mean at the end of the day it's it's a whole lot to run your own business and like i said just in the albuquerque area alone i've seen 10 to 15 gyms come and go so it's not for everyone it's not just a cool thing to open up your own gym 
It's a lot of pressure. And uh, it's a lot of money to put on the line. So make sure that you're passionate about it. And you're knowledgeable enough to make people better. And if you're not that, make sure you surround yourself with a team that is. Okay. Um, some people, you know, should they affiliate with CrossFit? I think there's tons of advantages to doing that. The name CrossFit holds a lot of weight in the fitness industry. But at the same time, CrossFit does a bad job of basically they sell you a franchise and you're paying $3,000 a year to be a part of that franchise. But that's pretty much all they do is give you a name. They don't help you with marketing. They don't help you with programming. You have to reach out and figure that stuff stuff on your own. Um, So understand that as well when you decide if you want to affiliate or not. Okay. So, uh, you know, we talked about some stuff now, you know, about jams and opening up your own gym. Uh, My biggest thing is I'll go back to. Make sure you can afford your overhead and create a niche for yourself. Don't just copy the guy next to you because chances are you won't be able to replicate what he's doing. Okay. Um, I think that will about wrap it up. Um, actually, no, 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 no. I have, I have one more thing I want to get out. Uh, we are going to be doing our squat seminar uh, December 2nd here in Albuquerque at our gym uh, at our new location with uh, world record holding power lifter Ray Williams. Um, he will be coming in and uh, doing a squ- squat strength seminar. We will we'll have some other speakers. But I have decided that today I will be donating a portion of proceeds to uh, – one of our members, Elijah, he's, is he, I think he's 16 years old and he's been battling leukemia for the last three or four years. And this kid's a freaking rock star, man. He, he sometimes leaves chemo and will head straight to the gym to work out. Whether he feels like shit or not, um, he may do it. And he's been in and out of the hospital. I, I found out that his uh, leukemia has come back and he's uh, been in the hospital a lot lately. And so we uh, will be donating proceeds from the squat seminar to Elijah and his family. They need some help. Uh, so I'll put the link to his GoFundMe as well uh, here on the bottom. So just scroll down in the info of this episode and uh, you could check that out. Um, but if you'd like to be a part of our, our squat seminar, you're in the area, you can register at ZStrengthSystems.com and uh, be a part of it because money from it's going to be going to Elijah and his family. Um, so you'll be helping out a good cause and you'll be learning from one of the greatest squatters of all time, uh, Big Ray Williams. So uh, we'll we'll wrap this up from Nez Hoover. Check me out on Instagram. Uh, check out Zia Strength Systems, uh, Zia underscore NFP 
on Instagram, like us on Facebook, and be sure uh, to give us that five star uh, rating on Apple uh, Podcast, and also uh, leave us a review so we know if we're you know doing better. And uh, it's an evolving project, but uh, I hope to be rolling here in the next couple of weeks and uh, bringing you uh, the best content possible. So from Bars Loaded and Nez Hoover, um, we out. Talk to you next week.